Last week, uh, we started a discussion about where we're going as a church, and we uh, want to continue that discussion this morning. Last week, we talked a little bit about Cole Community Carl and Cole Community Carol. And I think we kind of hit a nerve. Several of you came up afterwards and accused me of having looked through your windows of your house to uh, come up with that. Because I think to some degree we saw pieces of ourselves, if not a clear description of ourselves in that description. It illustrated for us again how uh, many pressures, how many demands are on our lives and how often we feel like we're running from one thing to another, being pulled apart, alone, confused, often lost, sometimes feeling like it's all going to crash down around us, sometimes feeling like what we talk about when we gather here in church is so many miles away from what happens in our lives and, and the struggles that we face. Well, the question we have to ask, is there any hope for Carol and Carl, for you and me? And the answer is absolutely. But the answer isn't that we just need to get busier, do more, try harder. It doesn't work. And that's not what our Lord is calling us to, just to get more frantic, running around more, more ready to collapse. Now, instead, what uh, he calls us to do is to, to face the reality that we can't live up to the demands of life or, or even God's demands on, on us for right living. We need to face the, the, the fact that we don't live up to our own standards, much less God's. He wants us to come to him, recognizing that, and turn to him. It's realize, believe the reality that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, that we don't measure up, that we miss the mark, to forgive our weaknesses and our inadequacies and our fears and our habits and our failures and come to Him and let Him love us. It's His desire. We face ourselves and we come to Him and we, we discover how great that love is, that He died that he might welcome us to himself, not on our performance, but only out of his grace and his love. Jesus loves me. This I know. And that's the hope for Carl and Carol and you and me. And as we really believe that, as we really believe that he loves us based on, on his death and resurrection, and that we are free to come to him and let him love us up. We begin to trust him more and more. That's what faith is. Faith and trust are the same word. We trust him, and we begin to believe him. We begin to believe the things that he says more than we believe our own feelings and our fears and, and our confusion and our habits, more than we believe what people around us are saying what our society is telling us constantly, we begin to believe Him. As we believe Him, we begin to obey Him out of that belief, out of that trust. It starts to bear fruit in our lives of obedience. And it's not easy. Sometimes it's incredibly painful and difficult to look at sins in our lives that we've done everything we can to protect ourselves from seeing to look at some of the ways we relate to others that are flat out unloving and selfish, but we cling to. To turn away from our broken cisterns that we we're hoping that will give us life and facing the reality that they won't. It's terrifying to, 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 to ask for help with a habit 
that we're scared to death that those we share with are going to beat us up and condemn us rather than come alongside us and help us. Sometimes obedience is painfully, terrifyingly difficult. But as we trust Him and believe Him and obey Him out of that trust, out of that faith, we discover who He really is, how much He really does love us, how powerful, how wise, how good He is. And He begins to do things in our lives that we couldn't imagine. He begins to to rescue us. He begins to give us a wonderful peace in the midst of bitter suffering, difficulty. He begins to use us to love other people. He changes the way we look. He begins to reorganize our lives. And best of all, in the midst of that, as we see Him in practical ways in our lives, we catch a better glimpse of who He is. We see a little more of Him and we worship. We're overwhelmed. We're in awe. This is the way Jesus worked with His disciples on this earth. He'd ask them to do something, often things that just seemed silly, absurd. He asked them to, 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 to you know, pour that water into the goblets. And they're thinking, people want wine, and we're pouring water. But they obeyed him. And as they poured it, it was wine. I would have loved to see their faces as they saw these pitchers full of wine. And said, who is this? My, my favorite story along these lines is when Peter was all, out all night fishing. He's tired, hadn't caught a thing. He just finished the long, hard process of cleaning his nets. He's coming in early in the morning, finally getting a chance to rest. And Jesus meets him there, and Jesus says, Throw your nets over on the other side of the boat. And Peter had to think, Man, this is silly. What a, why would I do that? These are clean nets. Oh, God, this is unfair. I, I've been a fisherman for years. This isn't going to work. I know what life is about. This won't work. I don't want to do it. How unfair of Jesus to ask me to do this. And yet Peter said, okay. Because you ask it, Lord, I'll do it. And he threw the nets over and they were so full of fish that they could hardly get them over the edge of the boat. And Peter falls flat on his face and he worships. He caught a glimpse of who this Jesus really was. He knew Jesus. He'd been walking with Jesus. He called him Lord. But suddenly he saw that he was more than he thought he was. And he worshipped. See, as we begin to really believe Jesus, to really trust him, to obey him, we see more and more of him and we Worship, And as we worship, as we look at Him as He is, it begins to change us, to transform us, to free us. He begins to reorganize, restructure our lives and our priorities, help us say no to things that we should be saying no to. Even good things helps us get our house together. But ultimately, and the best, the real hope for Carol and Carl and you and me, in this process we see him and we come to know him because that's what our hearts ache for that's life like we said last week this is the process for all of us the process we go through over and over no matter where we are in our spiritual walk whether we're a brand new believer who's just trusting him for the very first time approaching god on the basis of what jesus did on the cross coming to know him for the first time to whether we've been walking with him for decades but we face, are facing a, a, a new way to obey Him, a new phase of life in which we obey Him. He's exposing sins that we've pushed down a little bit farther, and He's finally bringing them to the surface. 
It's hard. Just as hard for that that, uh, 90-year believer as that brand new believer. But the, the fruit is the same. We trust Him. We obey Him. And we see His glory and worship Him. And we go through that over and over. Well, this is what we want to be about as a church. Individuals who are moving toward trusting Jesus so that we obey Him and come to know Him. That's what we want to be true of each of our lives. That we're moving toward trusting Him and obeying Him so that we really come to know Him. And that's what we want to be about as a church. Helping each other, moving each other toward trusting Jesus so we obey Him and come to know Him. Now what I want to do right now is use an overhead. Uh, The sad reality is I can't chew gum and walk at the same time. And so seeing me try to do two things at once, to use an overhead and talk, may be sadly entertaining. But I'm going to try. I hope this will be helpful, not distracting. If you open the middle of your bulletins, these circles are there as well. And I want to use these circles for for quite a few things, for several things. The first, I want to look at what Jesus was doing. Now, Jesus came to give his... Oh, Jesus, what? I can't talk and write. Let me get it down first. Jesus came to give his life in payment for sins, to remove the obstacle of our sins between us and God so that we could approach God and be loved by him, experience his generosity and his love. But he was also in the process as he was walking around and teaching and and doing miracles and healing and and having conversations with people what he was doing was making disciples he was moving people to trust him so that they would respond to him so they would obey him and really come to know him intimately themselves that's what Jesus was doing now these circles represent different groups of, of people You have the the community, the larger context. For Jesus, it was the nation. It was the region. And he would travel around the whole area, teaching, uh, doing uh, miracles, healing people, delivering them, loving people. People in the whole area heard of him. They knew there was somebody out there who was speaking with authority. There's somebody out there that was meeting needs. And many of them... Across this first line, from the community to the crowd, they came to see. They wanted to see him for themselves. They didn't want to just hear about him. They wanted to hear from him. Hear his words. Hear what he was saying. And to really think about those, to, to, to consider his words. Now, many of them came out of curiosity. Many more came because they had specific needs. They needed healing. They needed deliverance. They, they needed help with loving a friend of theirs or a family member. And they came to Jesus with those very specific needs. And he loved them. And he taught them. And his goal for them was to believe. That was what he constantly called them to, what we call faith. Whenever he encountered them, that was what he was trying to do, to get them to believe him, to trust him. And then he called them to become Followers, to follow me is what he said. And many who did, they crossed that second line. They became followers, people who followed him. Followed him, sorry. They were not just coming because they had a specific need. They weren't coming just to hear him. They wanted to learn from him. 
They wanted to learn the principles of life, the principles of the kingdom, how to relate to the Father, how to relate to God, how to relate to to themselves, how to relate to each other. And he taught them principles of life so that their houses would be solid, not be destroyed by the floods of life. And they came and, and, and he explained things to them, those that would come and ask for more. And they began to belong. See, they didn't just believe. Now they began to belong. They were followers of his. And they began to belong to him and they began to belong to each other, get to know each other, respond to each other. And then from there, some he called to be disciples. Now, these were people who began to identify with him. These are people who no longer were just there to learn principles to live by. They had moved from coming to learn from him to wanting to live for him. He began to call these people his friends, motivated out of love for him, not just what he could give. Jesus is always the giver, and we always are dependent on him, and he always gives to us, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they're not there just for what they get. They love him. He called them his servants. They were loyal to him. They wanted to to respond to him, obey him. They wanted to be loyal to him, move out of that love and that loyalty. And these begin to see themselves differently. The purpose of their life, they begin to understand their purpose. To live for Him. And at the end of His life, what He challenged them is two things. One, to know the Father, to grow in their walk. And two, to become disciple makers. To make disciples. Well, the second thing I want to do with this set of circles is to use it as a way to help define where we are. Now, if you're here, you're part of the crowd. I mean, you're here. You've come across. You've come to see. You've come to hear His words and consider them and think about them. That's what we have in the gatherings on Sunday mornings and Sunday evening and other contexts, other places. The opportunity to come to hear from Him. And His call to all of us, to every one of us here, is to believe. If you've never have, to take that first step of trusting Him for your salvation, for your relationship with God based only on what He did on the cross, knowing that He loves you absolutely and accepts you as you are based solely on what Jesus did. And He calls us then to become followers. And again, you have an opportunity, not in a real uh, developed way, but just to see where you are. As many here are followers of Him. We've come here to learn principles to live by. We've come here to learn from Him. Because we want our houses solid. We don't want them to fall down. We don't want our lives to disintegrate and to be destructive to the people around us. So we're learning His principles. And we're here to belong. We begin to realize that we are not just to believe. We are also to belong. That our walk with the Lord is both believing in Him and belonging to each other. And again, many are here who are identified with Him, who see as their life purpose, living for Him, being His instruments to express His love, to, to minister to each other, to continue to walk with Him through the challenges of obedience in that context of how you love somebody who is struggling or hurting. 
Again, this just helps us think through where we are and where we need to move. And then third, it helps us think through how we minister. Now, we're all out in the community. You have family, you have friends, you have relationships, you have groups, social groups. And thinking through, how do I move them to trust Jesus so that they obey Him and come to know Him? Well, the key word here out in the community is invite. We're not out there to beat them up because they don't live for the Lord. Of course they don't. They don't know Him. We're not there to criticize them because they're not living by His principles, but they're living in confusion and darkness. Of course they are. It's not what we're there to do. We're there to invite them. To, to love them, to speak to them, our Lord's words of love, to help them hear that there's somebody there who has answers. This Jesus is there, and He has answers for them. And some of them will come and see. They'll cross that line. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they come into our gathering Sunday morning or Sunday. It might mean that they come into your home. And ask you about the faith that you have, about what's different. Or, 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 or they invite you into their home, or they come into a growth group, or some other group that, that may have nothing to do with this church, some other gathering of believers where they've come to see. There we have the opportunity to, to, to share His words with them, and to, to hopefully lead them to believe in Him, and to encourage them to follow Him. Then some will cross over that next line, into followers where they recognize it's not just believing, it's also belonging. Coming to learn together, to, to gather in small groups where we really know each other. We're not just talking about theory, but we're, we're talking about the reality of our lives and, and putting these principles to work in our lives. Not just having nice, pretty principles, but, but talking to each other about our marriages and our parenting and how we're doing at work and, and, and the struggles we're facing, praying for each other, supporting each other, being accountable to each other, having each other come up and say, how did it go last week with your child? How did it go last week at work? I've been praying for you. We begin to belong to each other. And, and, and that's where kind of our priorities here. And then some, again, will move beyond just seeing what Jesus can do and wanting to live for Him and love Him. And there we continue to help with the hard decisions that God calls for people who are there to, to, to encourage them to trust Him, even when He's asking very hard things, giving up things, starting things. To, to minister to others, to live for His purposes rather than just to live for themselves with Him on the side. So, that's just trying to give some, 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 some practical details. Let me use the other side of your sheet there. And this is the same circles, only with a couple of different names right here and there. This is the process for us as a church. I misspelled church last hour, so I'll get it right this hour. Us as a church. What we want to do as a church is we want to do this. We want to do what Jesus was doing. We want to be intentional about moving people to trust Jesus so they obey Him and come to know Him. And we use the same circles. So we recognize that, 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 that we are in a community and our desire out here is for people to hear of Him. To know that there is this Jesus and He's out there. And He has answers for their life. Again, we are, we're living, we're loving. 
using his love, by the power of his spirit, speaking the truth in love to our families, to our friends, in our neighborhoods, in, in every context that we're involved in. And again, our desire is to be inviting, not condemning, not, not, not uh, angry or railing, but to be inviting. There is an answer, and his name is Jesus. And some of them will cross to the crowd. Now, that's where we are. This is the crowd. This is one representation of the crowd. And our goal here with the crowd is to welcome is to make sure that people who come here feel like this is a safe place for them to think about these things, a safe place for them to hear Jesus, to think about His claims, to think about His call for them to believe. We want to love each other. Now let me dwell on this just for a moment. It is very sad to me, but it is a a consistent criticism of this church, that we're a cold church. People frequently, last week somebody told me, I came two, two weeks in a row, nobody spoke to me once, nobody smiled at me. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It is our job together as a whole church to be welcoming, to be smiling at each other, to meet each other. You say, well, I'll be embarrassed. I'll ask this person, oh, are you new here? And they'll say, no, I've been here four years. And I'll go, mm-hmm. well, who cares? <laughs> Laugh about it. Talk about where you've been for those four years. Find out what's going on in in their lives. You know, another thing I'd like to challenge you about. If you've ever been here when the service starts, you're the rare minority. Most of us show up five, ten minutes after the services start. We kind of sneak in and then we get out as fast as we can. Don't do that. Let me challenge you. Come five, ten minutes early. Not just to get a good seat and protect your territory but to welcome others, to, to say, I'm glad you're here. Tell them your name. Shake their hand. Have them sit next to you. Find out a little bit about them. I would love to have to, to, to try to stop you guys every time we start a service, to get quiet everybody down, to stop all the conversations and the laughter and the smiling and the tears as you share with each other. That's all of our responsibility together. Now, we're also, like Peter said, we are wanting to get better as an organization, as a, as a church doing this. And Elaine Harrell is helping us organize uh, and and develop our our greeter ministry. And I'd ask each of you to think about it, to pray about whether you could be involved in that. We want people, a a number of people who are are, are at the information booth and around the booth. So when new people come in, there's somebody they can talk to, somebody who is talking to them about what's going on in their life, where they're from. Showing them around. This this building is kind of a maze to a new person. They don't even know how to get into this part of the building. Bringing them in. Finding them a seat. Letting them know you're glad that they're here. Again, I don't want to say that this is going to be the ministry of them as if it's not all of our ministry. It's all of our ministry. But we also want to do it in an organized way as well as a disorganized, pandemonious way. That's our desire. We want people to be loved when they come in here so that they're comfortable. They know they're welcome here and can consider what Jesus is asking. The second thing here, without embarrassment, without shame, I tell you, if you're here, it is our desire that you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we're not going to hammer you. 
We're not going to be kind of trying to drag you. And if you know, if you don't respond, we're not going to be throwing you out. That's not what it's about. But that is our desire for each one of you. Because there's life there. And it's our desire to love you by introducing you to the one who is life. It's our desire for each person here that they meet Jesus Christ for the first time and begin a relationship with Him for the rest of their lives. And then for some who have that new life, our desire is to move them over that line. So they not only belong or believe, they belong. They not only say, this is the church I go to, they say, this is my church I belong here. I have relationships here. I have friends here who are holding me accountable, who are praying for me and encouraging me. Now, typically, the way that happens, the way we encourage it to happen, is you get involved in a smaller group, in a growth group, in a, in a ministry team, in an adult Sunday school, in, in, in a women's study, in a men's group, in a discipleship group. A smaller context where you can know and be known, where you can pray for each other and really think this stuff through in real life and say, man, I'm not finding it true in my life. It's not working. And Talk about it and explore what the scriptures say about it and and to, to explain what you've experienced in your own life with each other and encourage each other, help each other understand it better. So it's our desire to, to move people into to smaller groups, what we call fellowship, where they're knowing and being known in relationships. That's not enough to believe. We want to move to belonging. And then we want to move people from there into really being a disciple, identifying with Jesus. To no longer see Him just as an addition to their life, but to live for Him. See their purpose in life. Following Him, doing what He he calls them to do. His purpose has become our purpose. Our purpose in life is to be His servant, to serve Him. To, to let Him use us for His purposes. And one of the things He's going to do with that is to use us to move people to trust Him so that they obey Him and really come to know Him. I want to try to uh, leave enough time for, for, uh, for some interactions, some, some questions from you, some responses from you. Let me just do two more things with this. Let me real briefly talk about what this direction means as far as the elders and the staff. Let me show you where the elder and staff focus goes. It looks something like this. The the elders and the staff, they're involved in relationships out here. They're involved in, 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 in different groups, uh, their kids' schools and, and, and recreation, neighborhoods, extended families. And they're going to be sharing the gospel there. They're going to be inviting, saying there is a Jesus and he has answers. But don't be looking to them to be doing that in your life. That's your call. That's, where, that, that's your role. The elders and the staff will be involved in making people feel welcome when we gather. But don't say that's their job. That's our job. All of us. They'll they'll be doing their part, but that's a small part in the whole thing. There will be, staff will be leading some of the small groups, some of the ministry teams, but there will be many more than the staff could ever lead. They're not supposed to. You see, the job of the staff and the elders is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So their attention is going to be in equipping 
in, in helping people, helping you all, as you choose to live for the Lord and make your purpose to, to, to be used by Him for His purposes. Now, that doesn't mean this is what the ministry should look like. We spend all of our time with ourselves and no time out here. No, if the saints are equipped, this is what the ministry looks like. Like that. As you minister, as you build each other up, as you reach out to those in the crowd and see ministries of need meeting going on in the larger congregation, as you live and love out in your world and you share with people the gospel, invite them that there is a Jesus, the ministry goes out from there. That's the desire to see an explosion, a development of ministry. Now, there are a couple of things that we are thinking about praying about, moving toward, that go along with this. First is we recognize that for many it's a, it's a difficult jump from this auditorium to going to somebody's house, knocking on their door and going in to a growth group, somebody you might not know. And many people here have never thought it through and never been exposed. It's culturally very difficult. What we would like to do, and this is still in the planning stages, is to maybe start something right in here, within the crowd. Maybe call it a 101 class where we talk about this is what a walk with God is. This is what, what the basics of Christianity are. This is how you love the Lord. This is, this is how you love each other. This is what this church is all about. Let me put another one out here which uh, helps across this line, maybe a two-one. This is, is Christian lifestyle. This is what the principles of, of uh, the Scriptures have to say about your marriage. This is what the principles in Scripture about your finances, your relationships, how you look at your job. We start looking in detail at, at, at these principles. And then another one to help us across this line. Keep trying to keep moving across the line. That has to do maybe with the, uh, um, the body life how we work as a church, how you use your gifts, how you, you express your desire to live for the Lord. Let me turn this one on before I get too confused. I see in this first class that, that maybe we would have here in the building, and right now we don't have any place for that. We've, we're shoehorned into this building as tightly as we can at the moment, and I'll talk to you about that in a second. But uh, we start with a, a, a class environment and have maybe some discussion groups where you can really think it through together as you move in to, to trying to apply and understand principles. Then the, 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 the primary mode of, in, of instruction is the small group because we're talking about real life. We're not talking about theory. How does this work in my life? Praying for each other, encouraging each other, asking each other how it's going. And then as we move into our life's purpose, living for the Lord, using our gifts, ministering, building up the saints, then people come out of this into all kinds of ministries. They come out of this and join one of the ministry teams for the children, one of the women's studies. They lead growth groups. They, they get involved on a, a junior high ministry and all the ways they can minister within the body and also beyond the body. They get involved with Young Life and they, they get a lot involved with Love, Inc. and other opportunities to use their gifts in, in, in the community. Not only that, hopefully our dream, our desire is that people see other needs within the body that aren't being addressed. And they start a ministry, other needs in the community that aren't being addressed, ways of reaching out that we've never thought of. And they start ministry and there's an explosion of ministry. This is our dream, our desire. We'd like to develop a curriculum here for this. 
that could be used in growth groups or in women's studies or in a small group of, uh, of men or women who get together to, to work these things through together. Now, the last thing I want to just put in front of you before I ask for some, some feedback is that as we as elders have, have kind of identified a, a number of needs that, 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 that go along with this. First of all, I mentioned before, we feel like we are shoehorned into this building. Uh, we would like to have space to, to do a, a training, adult training like this, and we have very little space for adult training. We've got kids in every room, which is wonderful. It's a delight. But we need more space. We, our, our school, God is blessing that ministry. And we immediately, right now, need more classroom space. Our youth ministry, God is blessing that ministry incredibly. Uh, last Wednesday night, I was at a gathering there. Eight new believers last Wednesday night. And that group is just growing. We have 250 high school kids meeting right now. Tearing that room apart. <laughs> of course they are. There's 250 of them jammed in that room. We need a facility that's appropriate to them and where there's room for that ministry to really take place. As a congregation, you know, there's still some seats around you, but we've discovered that we continue, we grow up to a certain size, about where we are right now, and as more come, they can't fit, and we lose them, and we lose just some of our ability to minister to, to more of the crowd. So we would love to see buildings started. Now pray about this. This is a big step. And this it will have a, a, a significant financial impact on all of us. This will have an impact on our time and our energy. We've also talked about at the same time we would like to see spin-off churches, starting new churches. But our exposure to the literature and to, to other churches' experience is that both seem to happen at the same time. It's not either or. As God grows us, we spin off other churches and we continue to grow is the way it's always worked. And then finally, some staffing issues. We would like to see uh, Jackson Kramer, half of his time, be freed up to take some leadership, focusing on this disciple-making process, helping us develop a curriculum, doing some other things to, to lead in that area. In order to do that, we have to free up half of his time from the study center. And to, to do that, we have to hire somebody else, another person for the study center. What we'd like to do with the other half of their time is family ministry. Have them putting some attention and helping men think through their role as fathers and husbands and, and doing some things for marriage enrichment, doing some things for parent training and teaching, doing some things where we as, as families can come to some events together rather than just pieces of it. And then finally, we believe God is calling us in to, to put more resources into our young adults, our, our college, Generation X. These are our next leaders. And, and there are some wonderful things happening in this church with those groups already right now, but we believe in the next year or two that God's going to be calling us to put more resources there. Now, even though I set my watch and the alarm went off, I ignored it and kept talking. I am sorry. But I want to ask just for some response. For some feedback, I'm going to keep us over probably about three or four minutes past noon. But you've heard me teach before. You're used to that. Who has something? If, if the, the semester's got some microphones, raise your hand. And if somebody else is talking, keep your hand up so that one of the other ushers can get to you. What do you think? What, what's your response? you have some questions about it? you have some things you would like for us? To, and, and try to keep it somewhat on, on what we've been talking about. Somebody was awake. I know you were. I saw your eyes. Any thoughts? Here's 
in the back. Say your name before you say anything. And like I said, if, if you're waiting to talk, keep put your hand up while he's talking so that the ushers can get you a microphone. My name is Micah Chigian, and I actually have uh, kind of a comment and uh-huh. then a question. The comment is about the uh, the slogan that you talked about last week. Uh-huh. It, it talks about moving people to trust Jesus to obey him and come to know him. And I'm wondering whether or not the first step is really um, moving people to trust Jesus. I'm wondering whether or not it's to come to know him, and then they will obey him and trust him. Yes. So that that's kind of a, a comment or kind of a question in terms of how you guys have put that together. Good. Okay, well, let me respond. Uh, sure. It, it Really, I think probably we may even think about this, but I, I'm wondering if we shouldn't say by God's grace, by His Spirit moving people. But see, even in that first initial step of coming to know Him, it's a, it's a three-part step. It, it's trusting Him enough. It's coming to the point by the Spirit's enlightening, opening His eyes, Convicting of sin, of, of, of taking that initial step of trusting Him, that initial step of obeying Him by responding to the gospel. And that's the first time they come to know Him. But it is, it's a circle. The more we know Him, the more opportunity He opens for us to, to obey Him, to trust Him in, in new ways, in hard ways, and to obey Him. And then we come to know Him better. So, sure, you could put that at the beginning as well as the end. But even in that initial conversion, it, it requires that, that, that we take a step of faith to trust Him, to believe Him, and a response to what He calls on us right there. To, uh, not, not, it's not faith plus works that equals our salvation, but faith that responds to accept His offer of salvation. Come to know Him that first time. So the other thing is about uh, Carl and Carla. <laughs> Carol, but Carol and Carl. I was just wondering what Carol and Carl would look like if we did all of the things that you were talking about. I'm one of the people that saw myself in Carl and just wondered what Carl should look like. What? <laughs> I'm trying to see, do we have any... Uh... <laughs> he should look a lot like Jesus, I think. But uh... Well, <clears throat> again, I think what... Ultimately, he will look. He and she both will look a lot like Jesus. Not, Jesus had three years to save the world. Man, what a to-do list! I would have been going nuts. But he wasn't rushed. He wasn't hurried because he was constantly working it through with the Father. And I think as we follow him, as we believe him, as we let him reorganize, we become more and more like him. Not that there aren't a lot of demands, but we begin to understand how those demands fit into the whole picture. And we begin to respond in faith to him, not in franticness, because we already know he loves us. We know he's in control and that he's going to use us. Good questions, though. Say your name, Heidi. Thanks. I'm just really excited to hear that Cole's going to expand their ministry towards the college kids because we've had such an aggressive ministry towards the junior high and high school mm-hmm. kids. And I've seen our kids born in this church and raised up, and when they graduate, they really don't feel there's a place for them. You know, and I watched our daughter, who Christ isn't her first love anymore. Mm-hmm. And our son graduated last year, and he's going to another church where they have a college ministry. And it's just it's sad because... 
I could see him potentially getting married and continuing to be a part of a church that, instead of leaving after yeah. they graduate. Thanks, Heidi. And, and that's well taken, that this is a priority. We also want to see <clears throat> through a couple of things. One, by, by maybe some changes that we make in our adult service as well as some changes we make in our youth ministry to smooth the transition too so that our, quote, Generation Xers are welcome here <laughs> as adults, as part of us. And this is in addition to putting more resources and focusing on reaching that part of our culture, of our society. But I think we need to think through how we prepare them there to, to be part of us, how we make ways for them to join us in worship even while they're in high school, how, which, again, size... We don't have room. We couldn't put 250 high school students in here right now. There's not enough room in this, this auditorium. But that's our desire so that not only are we going after them, but we're smoothing the transition from high school to this room, partly in, in changing our worship and their worship somehow coming together. So that's, that's another part of the picture that we really want to prayerfully address. You're supposed to put your hand up early so they can get a microphone to you. Don't waste time. Okay. Suzanne, say your name. Uh-huh. I was wondering um, what the focus is going to be for the singles ministries here. Good question. Good question. Um, right now, part of, of, of where we are is saying our singles ministry, we do not have a singles ministry is distinct necessarily are, are very much of a singles ministry distinct from ministry to all adults uh, married and uh, un, and not married um, and, and though we see that as something that God has in our future I just don't know exactly when exactly how what I would love to see right now is that we rather than having a full-blown singles ministry as we've had in the past that we continue to, to try to minister within all of our adult growth groups and women's ministry, women's programs to the needs of both married and single, but that we have occasional events, maybe quarterly, that target specifically needs of single. Rather than a, a ministry where singles are separated over here and you have married people over here and unmarried people over here, that Instead, we continue to keep them together, but yet maybe offer some specific things on single parenting or on divorce recovery or on specific issues that pertain to single adults, just as we do with a mom's group or other that specifically target that group of adults. So that's the direction I'd like to see us go, how we're going to go there. Keep praying. Keep talking. Just keep thinking. Okay, I'm out of time. But I appreciate uh, the response, and we're going to need to have more times for us to talk. Uh, we'll probably need to get uh, some times that we just set aside for nothing but interaction like this. But I appreciate the, the comments that, that were made. Let me just close in prayer, and let's just keep praying, keep thinking, keep seeing where God's going. Lord, this is your church. We honestly believe that, and we are absolutely committed to following you. Lord, you've got to lead us. You are our Lord as a body as well as individuals. So through our prayers, each one of us, through our conversations together among us, through our looking at what you're doing here, looking at what you're doing elsewhere, thinking it through, Lord, show us where you're going so that we can follow you. We don't want to go anywhere that you're not there. We don't want to take steps 
for any other reason than that's what you're calling us to do. So we just ask that you guide us together as a church, not just the elders, not just the staff, but all of us, that you work through us to show us where you're taking us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.